When I was nine years old, my uncle lived with us for a short period of time. During that time, he went to the local flea market, came back to our house with a skateboard in his hand, and that skateboard was for me. This was a game changer for my life. While I tried to follow my brother's footsteps in playing basketball, football, baseball, sports that he was so good at, I just felt inadequate at playing the sports. But when I grabbed that skateboard for the first time, when I put my feet on that skateboard for the first time, it was like an instant connection. I loved it. I didn't have to worry about a team. I didn't have to worry about letting other people down. The only thing that I had to focus on was myself and that skateboard. And from there on out, that was the sport that I fell in love with. And to this day, I absolutely love skateboarding. Skateboarding introduced me to friends, introduced me to music, introduced me to a lifestyle, and introduced me to athletes that I would have never known about if it weren't for that sport. Athletes like Tony Hawk, Rodney Mullen, Bob Bernquist, and today my guest, Steve Cavallaro. Steve Cavallaro is not only a professional skateboarder, a musician, an artist, but most importantly, he is a father. A father that teaches his children his way, whether it be through art, music, or skating, He's a father that supports his children and helps them excel in the things that they love. He is an inspirational dude. And I cannot thank him enough for taking time out of his busy schedule to coming on this podcast to chat with me. During our discussion, I noticed that he is such a positive individual. He takes everything on a positive note. And I absolutely love that about him. So, I hope you guys are able to get something out of this uh, interview. I hope you're able to pick something up and use it in your day-to-day life because this is very special to me. So, without further ado, I give you Mr. Steve Caballero. I kind of envy that, the fact that you don't have a whole lot going on as far as social media other than Instagram, I think. I don't, you're not on Twitter or Facebook. No, I just never was a Twitter person. And Facebook kind of uh, kind of disappointed me when I kind of felt like I was being charged for views. So I was like, I felt like I was doing the same posts on both platforms but it felt like i was not getting the attention that i got on instagram and then it would always pop up like if you want more f- views you got to pay this yeah. and i was like well why would i want to pay yeah facebook for more views when i get enough on instagram and to be honest facebook it's kind of a a whiny sad <laughs> app <laughs> people just, they just complain yeah. about everything and anything and it's just like it's not uplifting for me so i was over it yeah well uh kudos to you to be able to break away from that obviously you're well known 
as a professional skateboarder. Yeah. You've got, I mean, you've got your own shoe. You, you've got tricks named after yourself. But I think most importantly, that maybe not a lot of people know, is that you have your own salad named after yourself. Uh, well, that started out as a joke. Okay. Um, it started out as a kind of like a hashtag joke, and um, I just kind of went with it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I, I think I just kept posting it, and I kept just tagging it, and people were just kind of like tripping out on it because of the ingredients I was using, and I just kept adding to it, and... I don't know a lot of people kind of caught on to it. Like a lot of people were kind of like, uh, how could I say? They were kind of afraid of what the ingredients were until they tried it. And then they're like, oh, that's kind of, kind of good, you know? And so I don't know. It was just kind of one of those things where I just kind of, it was, it started out as a joke and now people actually, it's, it's kind of like the proof of like, if you just kind of just shove something in someone's face mm-hmm. for enough time, it gets noticed and people start recognizing it. You know, well, the, I guess the first time I laid eyes on this thing, uh, it is like a collision of colors. It's like it's just like a rainbow <laughs> of salad, and yeah, I mean it, it's appealing. Like it, it would catch anybody's attention. I, I am deathly allergic to walnuts. Oh, okay. So, so have you like played around with different kind of uh, you put cashews on it or? Um, no, I haven't put cashews. Up. I've put pumpkin seeds on there. Okay. And sunflower seeds but for some reason um i i like walnuts so i just kind of like the way it tastes and, okay um kind of left it at, at that um actually pumpkin seeds uh have more protein than any any other nut out there so um that's actually that. kind of a, a a good one to have if you want protein yeah. in your salads is eat pumpkin seeds um yeah i will uh write that down i will I I want to try this salad out. You have so many ingredients, including like avocado and strawberries and stuff, and it just it looks good. So uh, I will write down. Yeah, just you know, there's just a bunch of different textures and tastes, and I'm I'm just putting everything that we crave in there in one thing, and mm. it tastes good. <laughs> it's uh, it's gorgeous. It's glorious. It it is the most beautiful salad I've ever seen, and. Uh, if nobody has seen it, like if you're listening to this right now and, and you don't know what we're talking about, it's the cab salad is is what you've given the name <laughs> for. And uh, yeah. I, I feel like you could probably Google it at this point and it'll come up on Google. <laughs> it's just a very colorful art piece. It just turned into something <laughs> that was just like, well, let's put this on there. Let's put this on there. Oh, wow. It looks like a people thought it was pizza. When they first look at it, <laughs> and I'm like, no, yeah. there's lettuce under there, you know, and I just kept adding, adding to it. It's just like, it's gotten bigger and bigger. It's like, when I posted, people are like, you're not eating that whole thing. Are you like, I'm like, yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing I'm eating for lunch. So why not? You know? it's, uh, I mean, it's not like you're downing an entire pizza by yourself or like stuffing no. your face with like a huge burger or something. It's, it, it looks very <laughs> healthy. You probably get all your nutrients out of it and you probably feel fantastic after you eat it. I do. And it actually is really easy to make. I mean, people like think that making a salad is like the most difficult thing in the world. <laughs> and it's just all it takes is a cutting board and a knife. All right. So, so. Give us your ingredients then for this. Like you're getting ready to roll up to your kitchen. You got your cutting board and your knife out. All right, what's happening next? Yeah, I go in there and I I kind of mix it up sometimes. I'll use arugula or I'll use spring mix or I'll use uh, kale or I'll use 
baby spinach. I mean, it depends on my mood, uh, what I'll use. And then I'll cut up cucumbers. Then I'll grab some celery, cut that up. A couple carrots. Maybe I'll buy the ones that are in the package that are already cut up. Then I'll get a red onion and cut that up and put sprinkle that on there. Um, get some cherry tomatoes, cut those up. Then add probably um, some mushrooms, maybe, if I have them. Um, and then we start getting into the fruit where I get some, like, blueberries. Um, then I'll cut up some strawberries. And then last but not least, I'll cut up the avocado. And then I'll sprinkle the salad with um, some nuts, which usually is walnuts. Mm-hmm. But I've used pumpkin seeds before. I've even actually used pomegranate before, which is really good. That does sound good. Um, to sprinkle on there. And then just get, you know, put a little bit of salt and a little bit of pepper. And then I normally use like either olive oil or avocado oil. And if I want to go the healthy route, I'll use the uh, Bragg's apple cider vinegar. Or if I want it kind of sweetened. You know, and I don't want to go for that. Uh, I use use balsamic vinegar. And then at that point, everything's sitting there, just like a golden aura going around it, and your taste buds are just probably drooling with just excitement. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. And it's and it's tasty. Every single bite is different. You know, yeah. So th- this is the best salad that I've ever seen, and. <laughs> <laughs> I encourage everyone to go out and look at this thing. It's it's glorious. And if not, go make it. <laughs> it's funny. I met some girl on Instagram before with the salad. She thought it. She thought it was some like food prepping page. Mm-hmm. Your page. So she was huh? Yeah, because I was posting <laughs> the salad so much, and then she clicked. I was like, oh, you're a skateboarder, <laughs> you know. And we started chatting, but um, <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> we, we can leave it at that. Uh, yeah. All right. So, so you know, scrolling through your page some more, I, I had no idea that you were interested in, in dirt biking at all. Is it something that you've been into like your entire life or, or kind of a hobby that you picked up in the later years? Um, it was a hobby I picked up later on in my years. Uh, I was actually 35 years old when I got my first dirt bike. Okay. And that was in 2001. Um, I was in a in a car club up in San Jose called the Road Zombies. And one of the guys that was was a good friend of mine that I skated with in the 80s, he had these hot rod magazines that I would look at when I'd go over his house. And so we, I started like getting into hot rods and then um, I started hanging out with him. You know, he went with me to go buy my first dirt bike. And at that time, I was actually on the Vans Warp Tour around 2099, and we had a bunch of guys on the tour, uh, freestyle guys like um, Brian Deegan, a lot of metal militia guys, Ronnie Feist, Clifford Abadante, Mike Jones, Tommy Clowers, um, Larry Linkogel, and they would jump over our ramp while we do the our demos and stuff, and it just looked super fun and. At that time, I had enough money to to buy a bike, and I had a truck. Um, so I ended up getting my first dirt bike in 2001. I rode for probably about five years uh, to about 2006, and then um, I started a new f- uh, family, got remarried, and then I quit hmm. riding completely. 
And I just felt at that time, I just kind of needed to put, put the brakes on it. Right. And then I fast forward five years later where my son could start riding and, um, ended up picking up another dirt bike in around 2011. And ever since then I've been riding dirt bikes, um, since 2011. Do you ride at a competitive level or is it more of a hobby? Um, I'm competitive with everything that I do. Okay. So whatever I'm into, um, I like to challenge myself by being challenged by other people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I do, I do ride at a competitive level. I've entered races all the years that I've been involved with motocross. We've done some celebrity crossovers at Supercross and at um, some nationals. Um, I've done some amateur races. Um, and just being on the track with my buddies, we're always competing, racing against each other. So yeah, I definitely am someone that likes to uh, take something to its limit and mm -hmm. try to succeed and, and progress at whatever I'm into. So I would say I've put my heart and soul in riding and mm -hmm. to learn how to ride a dirt bike. And I feel like I'm at my peak at this moment as far as the fastest I've ever been on a dirt bike. And I'm on one of the the gnarliest dirt bikes that you can you ride, and that's a, a KX450. Okay. Yeah, it's a big boy bike. Yeah. Last year, uh, you probably experienced one of your gnarliest injuries. Yeah, first surgery ever. I <laughs> broke my femur. That's a big bone ride to break. my dirt bike. Oh, yeah, it was a very interesting moment. Um, you know, I made a mistake uh, going over a jump. I went over the bars and woke up with a broken femur, and um, surprisingly, it didn't hurt. I don't know why it didn't hurt, but it didn't. I just knew I couldn't move my leg mm -hmm. and went straight to the hospital, straight into surgery, found out I broke my femur, found out that I was going to have to have a rod be put in my femur and mm -hmm. then one also in my hip. Oh. So um, that was a pretty um, crazy time. It really made me appreciate um, walking mm -hmm. um, because I was not mobile. And I was in the hospital for two weeks um, trying to heal and trying to get out of the hospital to get mobile enough to, like, use a walker. And then went from a walker to crutches, from crutches to one crutch, to, and then from one crutch to a cane, up into learning how to walk again. Yeah. And then um, just doing, like, physical therapy and also doing my own training, um, riding um, stationary bikes that, and just eating well, you know, and taking care of my body, um, that I was able to heal up uh, within four months and then get back on my bike again and start riding again. It, it is kind of crazy to think like you don't, I guess you don't appreciate something until you realize you don't have that anymore. Obviously a leg is huge. Being Being able to walk one day and the next day you are just stuck laying in bed and then eventually, you know, progressing to being able to walk again. I just sprained my ankle really bad at the uh, trampoline park with my daughter. And yeah, it just sucks, man. And then having to hop around all the time over the last week and use crutches and stuff. It, it's the absolute worst. How old are you? 30. You're 30? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm 55. Yeah. So... It, it, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like the healing uh, progress with the sprained ankle at a, for a thirty year old is a little bit quicker than breaking a femur <laughs> with a fifty five year old, but it's crazy yep. to see that you just recently I saw a video of you back on the dirt bike. Yeah, I just I don't know, I love it too much, you know. And yeah. to be honest with you, um, I've been getting hurt my whole life right. through skateboarding, so I'm kind of used to it. You know, I I know it's just part of the game. 
And I know with motocross, it's one of those things. It's not if you're going to crash, but it's when, mm-hmm. you know, because we're always pushing it to the limit and trying to, put, you know, progress. And um, it's kind of one of those things where it outweighs uh, the risk, the glory, and just the what it makes you feel like to ride a dirt bike and fly through the air and yeah. and just go super fast. It just outweighs the dangers of it, you know, and... You know, once I fell in love with dirt biking, it's just kind of one of those things that you just not can't get out of your system. And yeah. um, so I kind of put that injury in the past, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I just want to move forward. Right. Um, but, you know, definitely was blessed enough not to get super injured because, you know, you never know what can happen with those bikes. I've, I've seen people get paralyzed, you know, falling wrong. And yep. But as a skateboarder, I've learned how to fall my whole life. So, um I've got out of, out of some pretty crazy situations just knowing how to fall. I feel like you've trained yourself to take a fall. Yeah, but, you know, um, it's just like I said, it's one of those things um, that I'll probably never stop riding right. because I just love it so much. Does that stuff really affect your kids or is, is it to the point where they just want to continue excelling at skating and dirt biking as well, even when you know they see their father go through kind of a traumatic event like that? Um, I don't know, maybe, um, because they saw my attitude with mm-hmm. it, maybe it kind of changes their attitude of like, it's not that bad. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, there's always, um, a plus about situations that you, you get put into. Yeah. Like I was able to catch up on a lot of artwork that I wa- wasn't able to do before. Cause I was so busy just being athletic and outdoors mm-hmm. and skating and riding that having that little bit of a break off the bike and skateboard, I was able to, um, just sit around and do more art and play some music and stuff. So, um, in, in that sense, uh, I was really able to accomplish other things that I didn't have time for, Mm -hmm. but you know, my son, he skates and he rides dirt bikes and he's, he's fallen on both and crashed. So he knows the risk that it takes to do it. And, uh, he seems to be not afraid of it as well. And he's taken some pretty hard falls. Um, He's gotten some stitches from um, trying to drop in at Tony Hawk's ramp and and cutting his chin open, mm-hmm. you know, um, to like spraining his um, shoulder, you know, crashing on his dirt bike and just telling me, hey, I want I want to go and ride next weekend, you know, because it's healed up. And so he's getting kind of a taste of uh, what it takes to be an athlete and, yeah. and you know, the peer pressures of uh, being scared to get injured. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. but it's just it's just part of the territory. It just comes, it just comes with being um, someone who's into an extreme sport that's dangerous. Is there a part of you, like inside of you, that's saying, like, you know, you better wear your pads or or wear your helmet because you might break your wrist? Like, kind of, I guess maybe how parents did it back in the day. You know, worry about your kid getting injured, or do you have a fear of your kid getting injured the same way that most of our parents maybe did when we were younger? Yeah, I mean, I'm totally, I'm totally afraid that something could happen to him, but mm-hmm. not to the point where I'm not going to let him do it. I just know, like, I don't want him to be in the situation that I've been, have been before. But it's just a given, you know. It's just, it's a chance you have, you're going to take to um, succeed in in something like that, you know, and overcome a fear um, and challenge yourself and just do do great things that that you would always and you never dreamed of, mm-hmm. you know, uh, accomplish goals and. But, um, yeah, there, it's always on the back of my mind um, that, that he could get seriously injured. But um, don't I don't like to dwell on that too much because yeah. then if you're always afraid of getting hurt, then you're just not really going to enjoy life. And 
to its fullest and, and challenge yourself to something that that will bring you a lot of joy once mm-hmm. you overcome the fear of it. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't be able to push yourself to, you know, the limits that, I mean, you personally do if you were reserved throughout life. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe he's kind of getting that from me, um, knowing that this is what it takes to be great at something. You know, it's a lot of hard work and um, a lot of dedication, perseverance. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've learned a lot through skating, um, how to be successful at things mm-hmm. and, it doesn't come easy, you know. Skateboarding is one of those things that you kind of learn how to fail to succeed. Once you understand that theory and thought process, you can adapt that to anything that you put your mind to. And you know that you know nothing comes easy, and you're always going to fail, fail, fail until you learn how to successfully accomplish something. It's really helped me with life. It's helped me with everything I've challenged myself with and skateboarding's really taught me a lot of lessons, life lessons and how, how to deal with uh peer pressure. I mean I think just looking back at your life and, and everything that you've done, a professional skateboarder, yeah, successful band that just played their last show recently. Yeah. I was in a band called The Faction. We started off in early 80s, around 1982, and we pretty much lasted to about 1985. We did two tours around the U.S. We produced our own records, a little skate rock, skate punk band. And over the years, we had, we had broken up, and then we got back together, broken up, got back together. And um, we just recently, once again, just kind of called it quits again because sometimes things kind of run its course, you mm-hmm. know, and I feel like it's not progressing to the next level. Uh, we all live in different um, areas of California, so it's not like we can get together and write new music and practice. It's like we just kind of play the same songs that we've been doing since the 80s. Yeah. You know, and, and then people like it. I mean, they know us through that music, but I I like to progress at things, and, right. um, and I like to stay fresh. So I've actually started a new band down here with some local friends um, where I'm actually switching from guitar to bass. And we got a pretty solid three-piece right now, and we've been practicing every week. And um, we're going to record a demo, and then we're going to try to look for a, um, a good singer, a singer that will match the band. Because I just know that in a band, uh, a singer makes or break you, right. breaks you, you know. And uh, it's it to me, it's not worth the effort of trying to put a band together if you have a crappy singer. You know, I'm right. not going to settle for for mediocre. You know. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's what I got going currently right now. So one door closes with the faction, and another door is going to be open with this new band that nice. we're we're starting. I look forward to uh, hearing what you guys are making. Yeah, it's fun, man. I mean, uh, we played our last two shows um, this last month with the faction, and they were successful. One in LA and one in our hometown, San Jose, and they were both sold out. And um, there's just good times with uh, good friends, you know. It was uh, it was an awesome time to to spend with old friends and and uh, just play some really fun shows. And one of the one of the best moments was in LA. It was an all age show, and having my um, eleven, I mean my twelve year old and my ten year old there backstage watching me mm-hmm. play live in front of all these people. And then uh, <clears throat> two weeks later, I'm up in San Jose um, playing for my twenty two year old daughter. And just having her watching, looking at her in, in the crowd and having her look up at me and watching me rock out. 
it was just it was just awesome feeling to you know um that their dad watching their dad perform just and then yeah and then just you know you could see how proud they are yeah. of just seeing me seeing me up there so on the fl- flip side you know for you with being talented at so many different different things do you strive to see your kids kind of follow your footsteps or are you kind of like spread your wings and you guys figure out things on your own um well you know i've always offered different opportunities for them you mm-hmm. know i kind of let them know everything about my life and i try to show them that there's so many different interests in life that you don't need to just label yourself as one thing or put yourself in a in a, in a box saying hey this is all i'm gonna do and this is all who i am and kind of pretty much just influence and encourage them to do things that are artistically and musically um and athletically but I let them kind of follow their own path. Uh-huh. And by doing so, you know, my youngest daughter, who's 10, she's starting to become a really good artist. Uh-huh. You know, I pushed her bikes and and skateboarding with her. And she did it for a while. And she did gymnastics and she raced BMX. And it's just, it's just not her cup of tea. It's like, it's not what she wants to do. But she's pursued the art thing and she's getting really good at it. My son, on the other hand, has picked up on skateboarding and dirt bikes. Um, and now he's picking up, um, the drums. So musically he's that side, you know, I've tried to show him art, but he's just not interested in it, Mm -hmm. you know? And then my oldest daughter, um, she became a pretty successful artist and now she just kind of, um, has got into makeup. Um, and, and she went to school as an esthetician. Mm -hmm. She started a, a little family really early. So, She's actually a mom and I'm a grandpa. So she has a little a son named Cairo who's five. So being a single parent and just trying to start a career is super hard at her age, you know. Yeah. Um, but she's pulling it, she's pulling it off and she's actually coming to visit me tonight. She heard her her boyfriend are driving down here from Sacramento and they're gonna spend the week with me. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Growing up, the era that you grew up in with skating, the 70s and 80s, how do you think social media and, and you know, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and, and all that stuff is, is uh, I guess, able to help people be more noticed than in your day? I guess, I'm trying to think of the um, Well, I think when it, when it comes to social media, I think it can be used as a good thing, but it, it can also be abused as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So... It, depending on your personality and depending on how respectful you are as a person. For myself, I, I've had to learn to navigate social media in a positive way because it really can turn into a negative thing when you are being criticized and judged from all corners of the mm-hmm. planet um, based on what you do, what you represent, what you put out there. I mean, it takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there. And when you do, you fall into the category of being judged, you know, people throwing their opinions of who you are, what you represent, what you do. So you really have to be mature enough to handle the comments and the compliments. Mm-hmm. It took me a while to to really like get really pretty much uh, wise and thick skinned about how to deal with people that you don't even know who you're talking to and they have they have an opinion on what you are trying to put out there. For me, I'm in the public eye. Um, I've been famous for skateboarding since 1980. And 
you know, I've been successful with some music projects. I'm starting to be successful now with um, artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in some car clubs. Um, I've helped design some motorcycles. So I'm in a, a lot of different scenes. So a lot of different social scenes, which mm-hmm. they kind of some kind of all reconnect to skateboarding for some reason. Like skateboarding has touched so many different genres and so many different activities and, and outlets that different people are into. For my social media, um, it's part business, it's part personal, and it's just part of me as an influencer and what I like to show, you know, and actually I also use it as a ministry as well. You yeah. know, um, I share a lot of my faith on there of, of um, what I believe in and morally, you know, mm-hmm. and and what 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 gives me wisdom, what gives me hope, and shows me how to better be a better human being towards people, and mm-hmm. you know, so it's not, you know, you should you, some social media is not something you should take lightly because it's a dangerous tool. I meant the tongue is a a double-edged sword. I mean, you can destroy things in a second with your words, but you can also use your words to heal things and heal relationships and heal people by what you say. And whatever you say comes from what's in your heart. Whatever the mouth speaks is what is in the heart. So if you hear a person and their tone is very negative and angry is because their heart is that way. And, um, and I don't judge people for being that way because you don't know their past, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't know what they've gone through. And sometimes people, uh, lash out things differently. You know, anger can really cause you to, um, do things that you will regret, you know? Um, and people have, um, different, um, boiling points, you know, you can make anybody angry. You just push the right, you just push the right button. You can, you can make the nicest dude ever angry. You just find the button to push and, and there's going to, the reaction's going to come out, you know? Yeah. So, you know, with social media, you just got to realize that you got to watch what you say because there's a consequence to everything that leaves your lips and your fingertips, you know? And, and some people just don't have a clue. I mean, they just, they feel really brave when they're behind the keyboard and they think that people, they have like full reign to just come on your page and be as opinionated as they want and that's fine you can be opinionated but be respectful right about it you know don't be rude and the one thing that i've learned about social media and one thing i love about instagram there's two buttons that i use sometimes and that's the delete button mm-hmm. and the block button and i don't have any tolerance for ignorance and um stupidity right you know and when someone's super rude i'll delete their comment and block them there's no questions asked you know because I want people to know that if you're going to be, you're going to say something, there's going to be a consequence to what you say, whether it's positive or negative. Right. And I think everybody should have that same filter that you have. I mean, if if everybody kind of went with that guideline, then social media itself would probably be a healthier and a and a better place for people to socialize on. Well, man, I could I could go on everybody's page and 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 tell everyone what I don't like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could spend all day doing that, but I don't want to do that. If right. there's something I'm not interested, I don't like, I just, I swipe. <laughs> you know <what> yeah. I, mean? <laughs> I just go, it's like, I don't care. No one has to know my opinion on the things I don't like and hate. Mm-hmm. But some, there's people out there that just love to just go on your page and talk about 
what they don't like about you or what you represent. But then when you go on their page, it's private. Yeah. You know? And it's like, it's just ridiculous, yeah. you know? My my life's an open book out there. Like right. I post about everything. I'm not hiding I'm not hiding by behind anything. Being a parent of of kids that are old enough now, your younger ones specifically, old enough now to have their own social media pages, how do you deal with that because i mean they have their own following and, and people that are interested in their hobbies and stuff how, how do you deal with i mean um you the only thing you do um i don't really monitor their stuff but i i do kind of encourage and and to to tell them to, to if they're going to comment something make sure it's positive mm-hmm. and and i also say i and i go you know beware people are rude you mm-hmm. know they're going to say some mean things to get on your skin so you got to be prepared for it so you know, are you mature enough to handle it? You know, and obviously, you know, um, my kids, my two kids, my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old probably wouldn't have had a phone as early as they had. And they wouldn't have had social media as early as they had if it wasn't from the other parent that, that just kind of gave it to them anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I disagreed with my ex-wife when it came to like getting them phones, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I disagreed with them about being on social media. You know, um, but that's a that was a battle in itself, yeah. you know, and if you're not on the same page, then there's going to become arguments and disagreements, you know, and um, but if it was up to me, um, I probably would have waited a little bit longer with Caleb and Clover, who's 10 and 12 mm-hmm. to be on social media for one and also have their own cell phones. But in that sense, too. On the positive thing about that is they love their phones so much that it's a very nice tool to take away from them when they're not acting <laughs> accordingly. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you don't want to do your homework, you're getting bad grades, bye bye phone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you don't want to do any chores, bye bye phone. <laughs> and you, it's amazing how much they change their tune when they know that their phone's gonna be taken away. It's funny because my wife and I were talking about this the other day. Our so our daughter's three. And uh-huh. uh, she she just watched this video. Uh, she's all into like crime investigation and all that stuff and, and child mm-hmm. predators on the Internet and how to stay safe. And uh, she told me, she said, our kids not have enough cell phone, not even social media till they're 18. It's difficult to say that because, I mean, obviously, you know, she's going to be 10 years old. She's going to be 12 years old asking for her phone, asking for social media. And, and I, you just don't think of those things at this young of an age with a kid. I'm sure you probably didn't think of that stuff when when your kids were, you know, toddlers at the time. But it, it's it's just stuff that we have to deal with nowadays. Well, I mean, on a positive note too, um, my daughter who plays Roblox. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what that oh, yeah. that game is. Yeah. Um, she met two two girls that are her two best friends, and they live in Canada. Oh. Oh wow. Yeah. And she talks to them every day, and she FaceTimes with them every day. So I. It's kind of cool how technology has come so far where two of her best friends come from Canada that she's never even met. Mm-hmm. But she talks to them every single day. Yeah. You know, and you're not going to get around the bullying. I mean, the bullying happens at schools, at oh, their yeah. own public school. So what are you not going to let them go to school? Because there's going to, you know, have, they're going to run into someone. You know, you just have to prepare them for what's out there you know um and if you're wise enough and 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 speak to your kids about what what to prepare themselves for i I think they can make the proper choices but then maybe not you know i mean we all make mistakes and we all fall into traps but i think when you're more vocal and and 
educate your kids on what's out there to watch out for, at least they'll be prepared and ready for it instead of like figuring it out on their own. And, you know, for myself, my dad left when I was 11 years old and I just lived with my mom. You know, I didn't really have a father figure to, to like look up to as far as like telling me about drugs and women and just certain things that were, you know, I was going to be looking at, at a teenage age, you know? Um, but then I found skateboarding at age 12 and I just started hanging out at the skate park and, you know, and I just kept myself occupied. So I was able to not be bored enough to get into too much mischief where, you know, a lot of my friends from school ended up dead or in jail Mm -hmm. from where I, I lived, you know, and I, I got into skateboarding, which kind of, I feel distracted me from boredom of getting into uh, things I probably shouldn't have, yeah. you know, in a way it saved your life. Yeah. And I think, and you- then I had a good, I had a good mentor, Stacey Peralta, mm-hmm. who was my team manager and um, coach at that time. And he was a respectful pro um, from the early set or late seventies. He guided myself, Tony Hawk, Mike McGill, Lance Mountain, Tommy Guerrero, Ronnie Mullen, and, you know, gave us great opportunities to, um, become professional athletes within skateboarding. And we were able to accomplish a lot of things because we had a good mentor, you know? So he was kind of like my father figure when it came to that, that realm and being a part of this whole skateboard scene. Um, It wasn't like my dad wasn't around. He was still around, but he just wasn't part of our family. Right. But my dad was super supportive of everything that I did. And anytime I needed a, a ride from, to and from the airport he was always there to pick me up um he always encouraged me every time i told him about my adventures with skateboarding and uh so and i I remember as a young kid anything i wanted he would get me Mm -hmm. you know so i was pretty spoiled um (laughs) as a kid you know and now that i can afford things i spoil myself and i spoil my kids yeah i I like (laughs) how you put yourself there first though (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) That's awesome, man. I feel like I've kept you longer than, than what I had originally told you. I, I could probably talk to you for the entire evening and start diving into the history, you know, of you joining uh, Bones Brigade and, and Peralta's team and everything, but uh, maybe we could save that for another time in the future. Um, yeah, man. Is there anything that you want to promote? Anything you want to let listeners know? Any? Um, shoot. I'll leave the floor um, open to you here. I would say, you know, there, we got some future plans with Vans. Um, I got an anniversary coming up with the half cab shoe. So I think we may, may see some, um, really cool promotions with that. Um, also, um, still skating for Powell Peralta and always putting out new decks. Um, we got a new band coming. Um, always doing art. I got a bunch of art projects, um, lined up. So, um, yeah, same old, same old. Okay. Things are things are are good. I'm sponsored by Kawasaki, which is which is awesome. Nice. I got some great opportunities with them, and um, yeah, and you know, I've been doing the motorcycle thing for a while. There's a lot of street bikes and a lot of dirt bikes and stuff, but you may be seeing me dipping back into the hot rod scene in a, in a few. Oh, that's awesome! Like yeah. uh, like rat rods. Not nah, well, more 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 of a traditional type style. Okay, I was building a a, a 1927 Roadster pickup um, before my daughter Clover was born. She's ten now, so that 
project's been been on hold for 10 years and she's at it at the age now that I think I can start that project over again and finish it. And, uh, well, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful car. It's, it's built 40 style, traditional hot rod, like they did in the forties when they used to race. And I've switched now from making it a, a roadster pickup to just a roadster. Oh, wow. A Ford, a Ford, a 19 Ford, a 1927 Ford roadster. So, just look look for that in the future. Yeah, I look forward to seeing pictures of that. Um, yeah, awesome, man. Thank you so much for taking your time. And again, this whole process of getting together has been kind of a headache, and I apologize for that. So uh, hopefully, make no it worries. We figured easy. you figured you figured it out. Got it. <laughs> I got it, man. I just want to say thank you to all for listening to this episode, and thank you, Mr. Steve Caballero. You are a lovely, lovely guest, and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule and allowing me to pick at your brain for a half hour. Now, you incredible listeners can head on over to Instagram and give Mr. Steve Caballero a follow, and make sure that you lay your eyes on the cab salad. Trust me, it is the most gorgeous thing that you will ever see. You will probably not want to look at anything else after that. Well, okay. After that, head on over to anchor.fm forward slash parentquest and hit that send voice message button. Send me a question. Send me your thoughts. Uh, send me your own personal review of the podcast itself. I would love to hear from you personally. Uh, also, you can check me out on Instagram at parentquest podcast, Facebook parentquest podcast, and Twitter parentquest underscore pod. Thank you all so much for listening. I love you very, very, very much. And I can successfully say with confidence that this quest has been completed.